Hello and welcome to Top Shelf, where we discuss food, spirits, and all the other things that make life worth living. We are your hosts. I'm Adam, and that's Rex. What's up? Today we are recording from the newest addition to the Worst Scooch family in Venice Beach. If you're looking for a good hot dog, then I recommend finishing up high school, moving out of your parents' house, and heading down to Worst Scooch for a savory sausage instead. You'll understand the difference after you hit puberty. With a large variety of sausage flavors, Verskooch is the perfect place to leave behind the bland, ordinary hot dogs of your youth and enter the exotic sausage world of today. From the moment you enter its giant doors and take in the brick interior and communal benches, you know you're in for a unique experience. Joining us today is one of the owners of Verskooch, Joseph. How's it going, Joseph? Hey, great. And uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Petroselli. Petroselli, okay. So you, you ready to learn how to say the restaurant's name now? Yeah. Voskukia. Is that Whoa. right? Voskukia. Wow. Uh, everybody <laughs> I've met was just like, have you been to Wurstkuch? And they're just totally hacking it. And I, I mean, I know because the, the German, like the W is a V, because like Wagner, I, I, when I learned about music, that's how you say Wagner. Yep. But I didn't know the rest of it. Uh, pretty much every time I even say the restaurant's name to somebody, yeah. even if I've seen them at the restaurant, they'll say, oh, what, what restaurant is that? Voskukia. Yeah. Uh, what what restaurant is that? And then yeah. if I show them my card, yeah. it'll click in their head. Oh, we thought that was Voskuchi or all sorts of different names. Right. You know, we they're handing you a handkerchief. Exactly. Bless exactly. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> one, one more time. I'm sorry. First two. First. Voskukia. First Kukia. Yeah. Okay. So what, why why that name? Well, it literally translates into what. We do here, and it's a sausage kitchen. Volst okay. being sausage, and right. Kika in German is kitchen. kitchen. Ah, yeah, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, so when you pronounce it correctly, I can kind of break up and get phonetic indicators. Totally. Yeah. All right. Very good. The way I said it didn't didn't allude to that at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, yeah, you opened in November of two thousand eight. That's correct. And this is the uh, in the L.A. The, the downtown Los Angeles one in the Arts District. Okay. In and how did the idea of uh, having a sausage kitchen in the middle of L.A. come across? So my partner, who happens to be my younger cousin, Tyler Wilson, and I were actually, I think we were just sitting on the beach together one day. And I was telling him how I was I was really cold in San Francisco, where I was living up in up in Northern California. And, I, and, and there I, I had a little design firm where we were designing and building nightclubs. And, and he's like, well, you should start a project down in L.A. It's, it's warm here. And downtown is starting to, you know, have, they're talking about a revitalization. And so this was, Definitely. this was long before that revitalization actually had evident signs. But, okay. yes. um, we, we drove down together and, uh, kind of gridded the city streets and, and wanted to check, you know, every nook and cranny out and found the arts district. And, it, and it's nothing like it is today. The arts district nor the historic core of downtown. Oh yeah. Okay. In, in the last like two three years, it's makeover completely changed different. so much. I mean, in the last year, it is. Yeah. But what did strike me is that there was this cool, massive old abandoned buildings, these theaters and right. um, what used to be like a very bustling area, and obviously an infrastructure, but it was like a ghost town. So that that was totally appealing to me, and it was kind of like the area I was living in San Francisco, but. You could see there was a little bit of an energy, where especially you, in the arts district. Were you in like South Market in San Francisco? <clears throat> I was in I was in South of Market meets Petrero Hill meets the Mission, kind of um, okay. what we called it Media Gulch, 
but over there, right. near 19th in Florida. That's where I was. So anyway, we, in the arts district particularly, you could you could sense uh, a youthful kind of energy behind closed doors. Um, ended up meeting lots of definitely lifelong friends now, but okay. designers and fashion guys and furniture makers that were starting projects and artists, of course. But there, you know, there was a, a certain type of energy that you could feel. So that's why we kind of picked. Oh, that definitely. Area. And I mean, now, I mean, I wish I could live in downtown, but I can't afford it. <laughs> those, those one bedroom lofty studio places now, they're minimum like 15, 16 for the ones you'd like to live in. And now, uh, but, but back in the day, like you said, maybe two, not when I say back in the day, I mean like two years ago, maybe yeah. even a year and a half ago. Oh. It was way less than that. It was extraordinarily less. Totally. Yeah. So. But it's great. I love what's happening in downtown. It's, it's changing. It's definitely changing and growing and. So did you expect to uh, experience the amount of success that you did in such a short period of time? Because I feel like when I go down to the downtown location, I am waiting in line to get into the into the restaurant. I mean, it is a very popular restaurant, and people see what you do, and they like it. They, they're already acknowledging it. Yeah, we, we have been super fortunate with that, that kind of success and, and for it to have taken off so quickly. But no, I, I didn't really expect the sausage grill component of it to to you know be so successful off the bat okay. um it evolved over a little bit of time the idea but the first component of the restaurant to open was the sausage kitchen and that was in downtown just the small area in the the, the back corner of the triangle yeah. and there was maybe 12 seats inside and four tables outside and then we eventually started putting chairs down the hallway to the bathrooms okay but there we were still doing construction in the back dining hall and eventually you know that opened into the full dining hall so we we kind of grew uh, the business grew into the space we were always planning the space to be there but it was also going to be kind of a multi-purpose space we were going to have we pulled dancing permits to have you know a full bar and um and, and live entertainment and we still have the rights to have a full bar, but we don't. We don't. We just focus solely oh. on beer and German schnapps. Right. Well, twenty-four taps. It's it's real easy to to focus on the beers. You have such a wide variety. Yeah, yeah. But you know, a lot of people ask us, um, why don't you? You know, you have a full liquor license. Why don't you start? You know, serving yeah. full spirits. But I think it would certainly take away from the ambience that we have created now. Oh, agree. Right. Jonathan Martini shaking and yeah, Jack Cause, and Coke. Because you're like a yeah. niche right now. You're hitting like the gastro pub niche that people really are really into right now. When you look at other restaurants uh, like Tony's Darts or other gastro pubs that are out there, you're really just you're doing that, but you're doing it in a nuanced way where you're making it your own and you're adding other elements that aren't at those places. So you opened up the uh, the Venice uh, the Venice branch, I guess you would call it. Uh, three years later, uh, how soon did you start planning after the first opening in two thousand eight? How soon did you realize we need to expand? You know, I think probably since the fifth day in business, we probably right? had somebody. Wow. No, 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 no. Sorry, since day five of being open, we probably had somebody saying, "Hey, we got a space for you. We got a space for you." Wow. We're kind of a little bit, I don't want to say more conservative, but we move a little bit slower in our own pace just to make sure that we're doing things really right. Right. The, the initial Voskuka took off with such a charge. There was a lot of adjustment and, you know, kind of 
modifications made to our operations to make sure that we could cope with the growth. Sometimes we see 1,400 people a day in there, and that wasn't, you know, we weren't planning for that initially. Yeah. That's 1,400 people on the other side in the dance hall, sure, but 1,400, 1,500 people for sausages was, for the kitchen to handle was, you know, not sane. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was on the, the high side, let's say. So where do you get your sausage ideas? Because this is really, like, this is, I can't, I, I would struggle to find anywhere where you can get the kind of mixed sausages that you get at your restaurant here, but where you have mixtures of rattlesnake and rabbit and duck and pork and all of these different things. Like, where did you get those ideas from? Sure. So, so we work with 11 different purveyors that, that grind meats for us. And, you know, some of these are their recipes. Some of them are with our tweaks in them. And I, I remember, you know, before we'd even tasted anything, we, I was, I was out there pitching the idea and saying we were going to have rattlesnake. Uh-huh. Now, I remember saying uh, we, it's going to be rattlesnake and blueberries. Now that <laughs> that didn't actually work out, <laughs> and it turns out that those two don't go together. It seems really like well. a weird combination. Yeah. But you know, some of them are out there for let's find w- recipes that we can we can have that are you know eye catching and ear catching and kind of wow, but are really tasty. The rattlesnake, it's really fantastic. And I, I have not had the rattlesnake. It's, it's on my to do list. Just and I think a lot of the is just the idea i'm gonna eat a rattlesnake i I, i've i've never went to a place where that was even an option Uh, but just seeing it there is kind of like just i I need to have it just because it it's rattlesnake it's cool to see five-year-old kids just get (laughs) so amped about the idea of having a rattlesnake right eating charging on eating a rattlesnake (laughs) so yeah so we strive to find recipes that are just good and there are a lot of them out there that are not good Okay. I, I, I mean, definitely believe so, that. Some meats just are not, you know, like I remember tasting ostrich, and I have yet to have an ostrich sausage that I liked. I had an ostrich burger once, and that was okay. But I don't know how much they did to the burger to make sure that the gaminess didn't come through. Yeah. Because I think that I remember it being like, oh, this is different, but not necessarily in a good way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these these mixtures... How many of them are your own creation versus something that's already been out there before? I would say we have, I mean, well, so sausage making has a, a extremely long history. So bratwurst yes. is not, you know, this is a traditional blend Execution. that's been going around forever. I mean, I imagine that people have been putting rattlesnake in sausages for quite some time out in the, the hills. So I mean, if, you, if you think about the concept of what sausage typically is or or just... If you want to say like hot dog in general, like it's, it's basically the, the leftover parts that are still worth eating as far as like the way it started. Right. And they grind it up <clears throat> and then they throw it in a sausage and now you have something like blood sausage or where they can't really, I mean, you can make like blood pudding and stuff like that. But what they do is they package it in a way where now you, it's a dish. Whereas before you, you couldn't, it's really hard to work with those items, but now you have people kind of evolving and taking that that uh, execution of a dish and then using higher end items and cuts of meat and now that kind of like becomes an art in itself so, so by no means i don't think we invented any sort of type of sausage um, okay but i think repopularizing the idea of sausage I well i think what we're fascinated with is the idea that you know it's a little package isn't it capsule right you can put all these different flavor combinations in and 
some of the new flavors and the new combinations that we're working on are, I think are going to be really cool. And we don't change our menu that often, but you can mix these things in this little pouch and then almost, I don't want to, it's not really pressure cooking it, but you're cooking it inside that casing and that's what's keeping, you know, all the juices and the, you right. know, it's marinating inside of itself. So it's this like little ecosystem okay. that, that these flavors get to all, you know, mix and marinate each other with. Yeah. So we, we had a couple of these sausages today. And you you have th- you break them into three categories. You have the classics, the gourmet, and the exotics. And uh, we had one of each. We we start off with the bratwurst, which is the fine cuts of pork, coriander, and nutmeg. Now uh, I didn't get too much nutmeg. I did get a little bit. The coriander also kind of subtle, but the the pork is good. I mean, bratwurst is fantastic. And it, when you brought it out to us, you said this is the baseline, and there's two more after this. As soon as I took a bite, I, my thought was. It was good. <laughs> it was very good. I, I was just waiting to see how much better it was going to get, mm-hmm. and it, it certainly did. What did you think, Rex? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I liked the sauerkraut. The sauerkraut wasn't too, like, overwhelmingly sour. It was very subtle, and it was kind of, like, at the point where if you really wanted it to be crazy sour, then you could just pile it on there because some people, that's their thing. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you saw, like, you saw all the flavors that were meant to be there. The coriander definitely was subtle, but... The, the sauerkraut was there and it kind of just, it was a traditional execution and it was comfortable because I knew what it was going to be and it didn't disappoint. I think that's what it was there. So you guys had it with onions and sauerkraut on it. Yes. And then I'm not sure which mustards you put on. Did you use mustard? Yeah. I, I tried a, I tried one with the Dijon and, uh, good. Dijon doesn't disappoint me. I, I generally like that. Uh, and then I tried the regular mustard, the yellow mustard and, uh, yeah, just it was yellow mustard. I mean, it didn't. Yeah, I think the American mustard, I think, is just uh, it's there, and people, people, it's a go-to for a lot of people. Yeah, but no. it's a familiarity uh, thing yes. to latch on to. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it tasted the way I expected it to taste. It didn't add anything huge to it. It just it added it added mustard. It's just, it's no, all, totally. it's what it came down to. But uh, the onions, I'm a huge fan of. Put onions on anything, I'm I'm, I'm all over it. And the, and the spicy mustard was there too. And uh, the spicy mustard was more like. When somebody says mustard, I think of actual good mustard, and this, that's what the spicy mustard was to me. It was good. It's what I expect from mustard. Yes. Most people have like this diluted misconception of what mustard ought to be, and I think that that's kind of like the American yellow, like spouty mustard, where yeah. you have to shake it up, otherwise it just like drizzles all over the oil. Yeah, the weird the oil. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, so that's that's what people think mustard is, but they don't understand because they never really had like a lot of good mustard there. Right. And I think the spicy mustard was that. Okay, and then after that we had the uh, Austin Blues, which is hot and spicy. Try pepper and hardwood smoked pork. I, I tend to like spicy. I, I didn't before, and I'm starting to actually be confused at how much I'm enjoying spicy nowadays because of how much I didn't like it when I was younger. But the, the spicy came out very well, and uh, the, the pepper. Also, big fan of pepper uh, because uh, I think that be- is because of Bloody Marys from for me. I just the pepper. I like extra pepper and everything, and that's I think that's why I started enjoying pepper so much was because of Bloody Marys. So now I can taste pepper in, any, in everything. It's kind of it's it's become very apparent to me when there's pepper involved. It also tasted very smoky. It, it took me a while to get to the smoky because at, at the beginning we had it with the uh, caramelized onions, and then until I took a bite without the caramelized onions, then the smokiness came through. Uh, but the, what the onions did do for for me anyway, it, it, it took back a little bit of the spiciness to kind of balance out the entire the entire sausage. Where if it was just a sausage by itself, it might have been a little too spicy, especially with my the IPA I was having, maybe a little extra. But the the onions really helped even the whole thing out for me. That's definitely one of my favorites too, and I think that it's it's kind of got a little bit of sweetness to it too. 
Okay. I mean, pork, I think, is just a, yes. maybe a sweeter meat, especially when you smoke it. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's one of the, the, the spicier sausages that we carry. I put it up in the top three. Okay. And a lot of people will, will order these sausages without any toppings and, and take the bread off sometimes too, just to taste the meat. Cause oh. that, the toppings can sometimes dull out a flavor or right. you don't get the full experience of the meat. Other people want the whole thing and, and love it. And you had, what were the toppings on that one? That was just the caramelized onions. Oh no, no, no. The the pepper. And the bell peppers, that's right. And the, yeah. Green or blue? Green. green, green. Yeah. Oh, okay. So those are the spicy peppers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and they're actually at Poblano, Anaheim, and Jalapeno. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I might have, yeah. Yeah, I, I did enjoy the spicy because it, it wasn't to the point where I started sweating, but it was I was able to enjoy it because if if I start sweating, then I stop I stop enjoying my food. I'm just focused on uh, my nose is gonna start running in a couple seconds. Well, I think that it just ruins experiences for me. The difference is really just when people say spicy, what you expect is like a huge amount of acid. And growing up, when when if you're in a Latin family, you say spicy, they're just kind of like here, eat this pepper, right? And and then that just ruins <laughs> spicy for you forever, right? But when when you have good food and it, what it does is it's well executed spicy it's kind of more of a lingering heat not a i'm sweating and i want to die heat right you know it's, it's a big difference there <laughs> yeah and and uh that's that's definitely what was there with the sausage it's like you could bite into it there's vivid pork the pork just really is there i mean and then you get the uh lingering heat of all the peppers that are in it and like you said i think the sweetness of the the uh, the onions definitely counterbalance all of that acid mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and kind of pull it back a little bit. Whereas if it wasn't there, it'd probably be overwhelming. Right. And then uh, my favorite by far for the night was the duck and bacon with jalapeno peppers. I I, I I I'm not sure how to vocalize. It's just there was a lot of flavor. It was it was very intense. Uh, I tried this time. I tried the sausage by itself first because I wanted to get the taste of it, and it was it was very good. I, I'm a huge fan of bacon. Uh, the duck was was also very good. I, I haven't had too much duck, but from what I have had, it was good. And this this was this was pretty up there. And then when you threw th- th- the peppers in there, also it just added extra flavors. That it just it was, there was so much going on in my mouth, I, I couldn't focus. It just, it just, I, was, I was like, ah, oh, this is all... I just, I just wanted to keep taking more and more bites because it was right. a lot of a lot of flavors. Yeah, that last sausage actually is kind of lavish, I think, because there was a lot of richness to it and there was a lot of, of flavors in it that you would find in very sophisticated dishes. Okay. I think you you could smell the duck. Like, if you if you yes. just smelled yes. the, the, the actual sausage, like, you, the, the duck was visible. And the weird thing about the bacon, even though it was there, I feel like... What it did was it, even though bacon typically overwhelms other flavors, what it did was it enhanced the flavor of the duck and brought it forward more. And then, I mean, you had the, the sweet peppers that added just like a nice little tanginess to it. And then you had the caramelized onions, jalapenos. I think that even though those things were there, the duck really just kind of was always at the front of, of the flavor, no matter how much of it was, you know, how much of the other things that were in the dish. But it was great. I think that was just an amazing dish. Excellent. So, yeah, the jalapenos blended into that sausage for just a okay. little bit of spice to it. Yeah, well, it wasn't very spicy. No, no, no. It's, it's certainly not. I mean, I, most of the sausages that say they have jalapeno in, in it, okay. um, it's there for flavoring more so than the heat. You'll really notice the heat on like the Louisiana hot link. Okay. And surprisingly, sometimes the, the hot Italian, because that's not traditionally such a hot sausage. But our blend is a little bit, little bit spicier and, uh, and, but, but definitely where that, the, the anise comes through. Okay. For sure. Now, now you mentioned, uh, Rex, that bacon usually is, is overpowering and I, I hadn't, 
hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it. Usually, bacon is kind of a culinary apology that we you throw bacon on top of anything and it just it makes it taste better because pretty much all you taste is bacon. <laughs> but but with this, the, the bacon it, it didn't it didn't take away from the the whole thing, and, and it, it was there to kind of in, enhance things. It, it wasn't so. I think it's because the bacon was inside of it instead of being wrapped like you, you see at a. Some street card on the L.A. after a long, a long night of dancing in a club. Sinaloa kind of execution. Yeah, where it's just nothing. All you taste is the bacon because it's wrapped around some well, crappy hot dog. Here again, there it's marinating in that little pouch, right? Um, the encased meat. So it's 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 all becoming. You know, the the, the duck is starting to absorb those flavors. And yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What it was is, I think that it's probably less like throwing bacon on a dish and more like adding rendered pig fat. And then if you add the pig huh. fat to it, then usually any dish that you do that to, it'll bring the richness and the and the flavors are just kind of like brought out because of it as opposed to overwhelmed by it. And, okay. and I think that that's what happened there. Like you said, because it's in the sausage, intermingling with all the other flavors and kind of mixing around there. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then uh, we went on to the, the Belgian fries. Then we had a couple of uh, dipping sauces. We had the blue cheese, walnut, and bacon, the chipotle aioli. And the uh, the pesto. What what's your favorite, Joseph? Oh, out of the the dipping sauces. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the bacon, blue cheese, and walnut. Okay. And actually, surprisingly, I I love the barbecue sauce too. All right. Yeah, those are those are my two favorite. Uh, the barbecue sauce with the honey mustard, I like to mix up. Oh nice. Okay. Nice. I I did like the uh, the blue cheese with the bacon uh, and. Uh, again, just like the the duck and the bacon, the the blue cheese wasn't overpowering. The bacon was overpowering. There, there, there wasn't there wasn't one you tasted more than the other. It was just kind of balanced. Yes, very well balanced. And and I, I was I was expecting to get a mouthful of blue cheese, uh, but uh, it was like I said, both were were there in equal amounts, which I think is is, is tough to do because they're both very strong flavors. As far as your beer selection, then, what, yes. what goes into selecting those beers? Is that also very, like, are you very involved with that where it's a reflection of totally. your taste? A lot of tasting goes into that. Oh, yes, yes. Awesome. That's very hard work. Poor thing. <laughs> uh, well, we narrow it down, you know, out of the thousands of beer choices. Yeah. We, we cut out, you know, only a very small fraction because we try to stay with just German, Belgian, and maybe some Danish beers. The draft menu, particularly, we try to cover most of the major types of beers. Okay. So, have one in, in each category, and then we'll have two or th- one or two rotating taps that will be re- will reflect a seasonal or a special fest beer or you know something um, that that maybe will ro- rotate out. But most of them are, are standards for us. And we want to have a well-represented and balanced kind of menu in the, the, the German and Belgian beer. So, you know, we definitely carry triples and, and, and you know, lagers and pills and, uh, like, having a Schwartz beer and a Kolsch. I think those are, you know, important traditional German beers, Weiss beers and Dunkel Weisses. And then the bottle list is a little bit more, you know, we can double up on some of the same beers and just try to find really fantastic beers that resonate with our palates. Okay. Also, recently we started um, a rare beer menu that's that's available at the back of each bar, mm-hmm. which kind of consists of some new releases or some hard-to-find beers. As beer drinkers become a little bit more savvy and they start to seek out things that are a little bit more unusual, and there's actually becoming a real market for 
unique and interesting beers. So, so the, what, are some, what are some of the things on that? Do you care to talk about them on air? Sure. Um, okay. I mean, there's some special blend goozes. There are, the menu right now is pretty heavy for a, a brewer called, um, from Denmark, Evil Twin. He's a um, nomadic brewer. Oh. And we'll go around to other breweries and make special collaborations, and they usually push the limits and the flavors of what beer is. Um, and some of the names like Cat's Piss, which will be a very hobby pills or, you know, before, after, and during Christmas. But right. these are uber hard to get. They're maybe one batch only, at least on the West Coast. I know that we're one of the only places that carries it in California. Okay. And then if some of our major or top sellers do a special collaboration, for instance, La Trappe, a beer, it's a quadruple, they've done, I think, 11 barrel-aged batches. So they do different blends in different barrels. And those, you know, are uber rare bottles that we'll get a small allotment of, maybe two or three cases. So when you okay. say bar- like special barrel-aged beers, are you talking about like the same methodology that goes into uh, certain scotches where they'll do like sherry cask, oak cask, and that's what's lending the twist on the flavor, or is it something different? Exactly. It's exact. Okay. Exactly. Cool. So wow, that'd be really interesting to have some like pills that is sherry aged, or even in a, in a port cask or something like that. Yeah. So now you're not you're probably not going to see that much coming out of the Germans. Although I, you know, they they could do it, but they they're bound by the purity law. Oh right, right. I heard. So about they that. only use four ingredients to make. Where Belgian, the Belgian brewers are, you know, much more, let's just say, adventurous in the things that they're starting to mix in there and the flavors that they're trying to get. Evil Twins is a Chipotle porter. Um, nice. But that would be kind of like heresy in Germany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although there are a couple of German brewers that are starting to do collaborations outside of Germany with maybe American or Australian brewers and partner on things that they're not bound by those laws to kind of experiment with their brand and do a co-branding or something. So what were, what were some of the most interesting things that you've tasted when it comes to those kind of like collaborations? Because, I mean, I think that well, when people think of your restaurant, they think of like exotic, kind of interesting tastes that they don't get anywhere else. Uh, what What are some of those things that you've tasted, and what are some of the things that people can get here when it comes to beer? Sure. Well, I mean, I think hands down, all the evil twins are usually complete wild cards. In fact, the Russian roulette's uh, two different beers. I think that you can get, and you don't know which one it is until you pop the the cap. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, we have one that's on standard here. Uh, standard on our bottle list, but it's a Rausch beer, uh, which means smoked. Ooh. So Ooh. it's 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 like drinking a campfire. It's quite amazing, <laughs> and you could just imagine yourself drinking this at 8 a.m. with some bacon and some eggs. Nice. It's, it's unreal. Um, definitely on the on the draft list, we have the Duchesse de Bourgogne, which is a Flanders red, and is way outside of the flavor spectrum that most people that come here are used to thinking of in the terms of beer. For instance, guests that do not like beer. And a lot of people will come in and say, I, you know, do you have wine? I don't really like, like beer. All right. Um, and we can find them something, but this is the one that's the go-to. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of sweet and tart at the same time. There's a lot of apple cider vinegar in it. I was going to say, kind of like the, uh, the, the Moscato of the wine world. If people don't like wine, they'll generally like Moscato because it's, it's so sweet. Or most aperitifs in general, I yeah. think. Yeah, this, is, this isn't, it's not, it's not because it's sweet because there are other ones that are much sweeter and much more like, 
like a strawberry soda almost. No. Oh. Um, like the Flores Apple Ale of Fruly. Okay. They're both very sweet brews. There's some that are way out there and, and expand everybody's horizon or what they think is the horizon of beer. Right. Yeah, until I got in, uh, into the IPAs, it was nothing but the, the Bud Lights, the Coors Lights, and all the, the really watered-down beers. And then once I, I tasted my first IPA, it opened my mind to there are other options of beers. And then once that started, I started tasting all these different beers, and it's it, it's amazing to me that, that there's that much variety in, in a beer because my, my mind was so closed to, to just the... The crap that people would always have at their their keggers or something. The one that I had right a couple minutes ago was 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 fantastic. I mean, it's 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 rare for me to like beer because it usually fills me up too much, and I I just I can't only have so much before I just I can't drink anymore because I'm just so bloated. But it it's it's becoming increasingly hard to say no now that I I'm finding beers that actually taste good, mm. in opposed to just the ones that just fill fill a space that it it, there's, it it attacks the palate in different ways and it's. Dynamic, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, sophisticated. There's, right. there's different. There's, it's like wine where you you have a finish and you have something on the front, and then you have maltiness, and there's texture to it, and there's just so many different things that that differentiate it, as opposed to being very one dimensional, where where you have a lot of domestics that are like that. Mm-hmm. There, there certainly is a lot of complexity. Yeah, and especially with the Belgians, you're seeing a, a much smaller pore size, higher mm-hmm. alcohol content, especially. Right. I mean. Sometimes as many as four times more than you would have on a Coors or yeah, and and I I feel like this is totally untested, but I've always felt that beer, especially the vice beers, they you your body metabolizes them differently quicker than maybe wine thinks it's food. It's so so much okay. um, wheat in there, yeast or the grains rather, and you know I, I think you can get these just incredibly warm feeling buzzes that come out of them very quickly without having to drink that much but i know what you mean sometimes yes. that you know oh, i don't have to drink a six pack to right exactly yeah. it was uh, not too long ago i had a a dogfish head ipa that was uh, is 18% alcohol by volume and but it, it was just so hoppy that it it just it, it was it blew my mind as far as the taste goes because I I saw eighteen percent I thought this is going to taste like rubbing alcohol, but it, it was it was it was awesome. Eighteen percent is pretty intense. It is pretty. It, 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 that's yeah. what I was thinking. But the taste I was I was very I was confused because yeah, I was expecting I mean, bad. No, sure we have we have one that's a you know um, a twelve percent as ice bock. It's um the Aventinas, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably my hands down favorite beer. The Weizenbach, a frozen. And the concentrate is extracted twice. So you get this extremely intense, ah, rich, yeah. um, super flavorful, almost a little bit sweet, very fruity beer that comes out to be 12% in a beer. That's yeah. one of those? That freeze brewing, that's the trick that they do it, <laughs> right? Where they get the ridiculously high alcohol content beers, that's how they get it. Yeah. And the cool thing is, this was discovered by accident. Right. Was it really? Yeah, this is back in Germany, I don't know, I don't want to say centuries, but a while ago. You know, when they have an un- uninsulated truck that they're taking around or mm-hmm. their tanks are uninsulated and they, they pour one out and the, the whole, all the water is frozen along the sides. Yeah, huh. so yeah. one of them puts you away and you're just kind of like, oh, that's <laughs> the best beer right there. That's yeah, yeah. the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Now, aside from beer, you also have gourmet collection of sodas. Yeah. Which, I, I read that, I... I, I I don't even know what that would what would start to mean. Yeah, what, what? what? How do you not know gourmet sodas? Who was, are you? Was, I, I've been to like the Coca Cola plants in uh, Atlanta where they had all the different cokes and stuff, and I guess that different 
areas, but gourmet, what is a gourmet soda? Gourmet sodas are legit. I'm sorry. You go ahead. Yeah. The gourmet sodas are, 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 you know, some of them are just hard to find. Like you remember back from your childhood or like my dad will always come in and say, man, I I used to love Nesbitt soda. So like the peach and the strawberry and they're just not, you know, gigantic, um, factories making these, but these, these brews, they're all use pure cane sugar in their sodas. Okay. I think which makes a big difference. I mean, if you ever taste Mexican Coke, it comes from Mexico in a yes. bottle, that's got pure cane sugar yes, as, as opposed difference. to just refined. And then we have several which are actually botanically brewed or brewed in the process. Hmm. And hmm. so, like the Fentimins, the dandelion and burdock soda, um, or the mandarin orange jigger, these are, they go through a brewing process. So they actually have a slight amount of alcohol. You know, to be a soda, to be, it's less than 0.05%. Right. So nothing, you're going you're gonna to be drinking a ton of these things. Right. To, to feel a thing. <laughs> they drink they're O'Doul's. completely, <laughs> yeah. completely safe. I mean, I think they have, it's the same amount as a non-alcoholic beer. Okay. okay. But the process that they're going through and the flavor combinations, um, we have a cucumber soda. What? And a hmm. sweet blossom um, elderflower soda. Oh, I love elderflower. So, and most people don't know how to taste, but anybody that's uh, played with Saint Germain really just can appreciate yeah. it. I yeah. Think. So, you know, just kind of fun sodas that that was fun to find, and uh, we look for things that are different. We look for things that you can't go get. We don't have Coca Cola or anything diet. Good. That's a good, that's a good and that, that and the mixology, just opportunities for like sodas and stuff like that. Just sorry to take it there, but being that I used to bartend for so long, I mean, the, these kind of gourmet kind of style sodas out, that are out there, you throw a little bit of vodka in there, you throw in a little bit of a liqueur of certain types, and you're you're building on some pretty sophisticated flavor already, so you don't need to do much. And I mean, if it'd be great to just come here, try a bunch of them to see, you know, like what what can I buy and take home, and then and then bust out with the uh, gray goose pear or something like that, and mix yeah, it all up. Like with. Our, our ginger beer in a dark and stormy is a completely different dark and stormy than say ginger ale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you know Schweppes ginger ale or whatever. It's it's a, an entirely different experience. So okay, yeah. uh, we should probably also mention that uh, along with the, uh, the the classic brats and the gourmet and the exotics, you also have some vegetarian options. Yep. And uh, is, is, you f- do you find that's in a high demand? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have three vegetarian sausages: the um, Italian, the apple sage, and the Mexican chipotle. Okay. And they, I mean, I I love eating them. I eat them actually quite often. Huh. And definitely in high demand. I think. If you combine all three of them together, it's one of the largest sellers, the vegetarians as a group. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, there's a lot of people that come for their first time, maybe, and that they are vegetarians and want to come with their friends, and they think they're just going to be eating fries or just having a beer. All right. And then they see that, and they get totally stoked. Fantastic. Totally excited about the, the prospects of... We don't have many things, but we have <laughs> something vegetarian for them. On another note, do you have any events coming up? We just did a bunch of different events for LA Beer Week. Okay. Um, and we started a little... We ha- we've always had a, a homebrew club going at the restaurant. So basically, our staff, as part of a learning exercise, makes a beer. You know, I think we do it once a month. And huh. uh, everybody gets together and we can drink it. order some, some right. food and... 
And yeah, we, we drink what we made, what they brewed last month. So it kind of teaches people the process so that we have educated Very cool. staff out there. And so we've started, um, we did, we did a series of three classes for LA Beer Week. Just homebrew techniques. Nice. Um, we're not master brewers, and we're not trying to be a brewery. But I think it's fun for customers to come and see. Well, you know, I don't have to have a brewery to uh, home brewing has been going on for years, and they do it over and all over the place. So it's a pretty simple technique, and one of these little classes gives you the basics, and it's it's kind of cool. And I've had some friends that produce just amazing. Amazing beers yeah. at a homebrew, and it's uh, definitely up there. It's some of the best beer that you will taste, right. just because it, it's right there. It's fresh. They pour it like right into the thing, right off of the, their their homemade tap if they got homemade taps, depending on how they're executing. And then it's it's kind of weird because you see what they're invested in it a lot, and and then they're just kind of like try this and really enthusiastic about it. Yeah, and um, you get a lot of sophisticated flavors that that come out of those. The recipes that they find, I don't know where online in their homebrew club. Yeah, when you go to the homebrew like the homebrew store, you know you're, you're following the recipe. You can make your own yeast or buy a yeast strain that's been tried and tested, um, or for a major brewery, and you can, you know, mimic a lot of major brewery recipes if you have the right ingredients. Oh yeah, combinations. But yeah, that that was kind of a, that was a really cool class. That then they, you know, they were gonna. Let's say they're brewing a, a vice beer. We taste them through a bunch of different vice beers, some that we have and some that we, you know, brought in from other breweries. And we also did a brunch with Schneider, okay. which is one of our favorite breweries, but they make the Aventinas and which is again my one of my favorite beers. So one of the brewery representatives came out from Germany and, wow. and we did a, a, a tasting brunch. Yeah, it was cool. Very cool. And then speak to the whole uh, having the people that work here kind of experience the the process of making beer. I think it, it comes across when there's a level of dedication towards a craft. That it, whether if it's a, a bartender that gets together with the, all the employees and they just talk about mixing drinks, or you just get into the inner workings of how beer is made. It, it comes across, I think, as far as the experience of the people that come. They they see that. It, it, it shows that you care about the product that you're selling and you're not just, if somebody asks you for what kind of beer do you like, they're like, ah, I don't know, just pick one of the ones on the menu here. They, they, they'll be able to tell you what's in different flavors that come out in this beer versus this beer and, and why those flavors are there because they have... They've gone through the, through the class. It, I think it helps a lot as far as the customer experience goes. We sell three things, and we need to know those things as best we can. So we try to educate people as best we can and, and hopefully find people that are passionate about what we do. Oh, yeah. Because that's key. And I think that's the a huge, huge selling point, especially when you're dealing with a server that likes the food that he serves. Then they can describe it to you in a way where they are reimagining how it tasted to them when they had it. And, and when anybody does that, it just makes something sound so much more delicious. Yeah, when, when agreed, agreed. If you can find something that you really love... Selling that to another person is a lot easier than selling a product that you don't believe in. Yeah. And so um, I think we've been fortunate enough to have an awesome crew of people and staff that really love and are into the brand that we have and come every day to make it a fun and great place to be and to work. Okay. Uh, so what are the hours of operation that you guys have? Both stores are open from 11 a.m. till midnight, and that's the kitchen. And then the bar stays open until 2 or till last call. 
Okay. Uh, seven days a week. Almost every day of the year. All right. And uh, there's a Venice location, which is right here on Lincoln and Sunset? Yeah, so 625 Lincoln Boulevard in Venice Beach. And, uh, yeah, Lincoln and uh, Vernon or, Vernon, or Sunset. Sunset. Okay. And the one in downtown is in the heart of the Arts District at 3rd and Traction. Okay. Uh, East 3rd, which is very close to Little Tokyo, 3rd and Alameda. Right. You have to walk just a tiny bit east of Alameda, and then it's over there by, like, Nola's, Nola's. and stuff like that, yep. right? Yep. Okay. And then uh, if they wanted to look up pieces of your menu and stuff like that, they can find your website online at? Yeah, dot com. Or you could probably Google Sausage Downtown. All right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you, you can find the menu, but check when you get there with the most updated menu. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for uh, letting us come into your establishment and uh, try your delicious food and beers. All right. You guys going to have an ice cream sandwich now? Yes. Oh, yes. Dessert. Absolutely. Yes. All right. And maybe a couple more beers. Cool. We'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but All thank right. you very much. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam. I'm Rex. I'm Joseph Petroselli. <laughs> 